0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have you with us, and I hope that the Lord will speak profoundly to you as you open yourself up to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Today, we continue our exploration in a series that we entitled The Ministry of Discipleship. And as if you've been with us for a while, you realize that we genuinely believe that the core of Christianity is discipleship. That Christ invited His church throughout all generations to help uh, their community to discover Jesus as Savior and Lord. But not to stop there, to help them to develop, to grow to become everything that God designed them to be and to do everything God desires them to do. And then, as a result of that, as they grow, and develop, they become like a spiritual parent that invests in others and helps others to, um, you know, discover Jesus and to develop, and the cycle gets perpetuated, and we have generations upon generations of Jesus-like disciples who live. A specific type of people in the world, not just as people that have theological assertions and beliefs or those who are engaged in some religious activities, uh, but those who are living like Jesus in the world. And today, I want to share with you the vehicle that we have explored over time uh, that enables us to help people live like Jesus, a vehicle of discipleship. And uh, uh, you probably heard me say over the past few episodes uh, that discipleship is a goal and a method. Discipleship is a goal that is of Jesus-likeness. It's to multiply a specific type of people in the world, Jesus-like people, but it's also a method. You see, discipleship in the days of Jesus, Jesus didn't introduce discipleship. Jesus adopted the Jewish paradigm of discipleship, And discipleship, friends, was like a, a, a sort of an apprenticeship, a religious apprenticeship, if you like, where people uh, adopted a lifestyle of a heroic uh, uh, rabbi and they decided that they would follow that rabbi and they would become like that rabbi. So Jesus did the same thing. He invited a group of people uh, to follow him into a vocation of being like him. He said, come and be with me and I will change your vocation. I'll change your preoccupation. I'll make you a people that live the life that I came to establish on planet earth and help you to m- multiply that in the next generation after generation after generation. So how did they manage to help people grow and develop what type of method did they use? They many of them used the methodology that was accessible to them in their culture. So some commentators tell us that the way uh, Paul discipled people was diversely different from the way Jesus and the apostles from in a Jewish uh, environment discipled people. We see that, for example, the word discipled appear a lot in the the New Testament Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life, as well as in the book of Acts. But we don't see much of that at all in the epistles, in fact, uh, you know, Paul uh, didn't use that type of uh, terminology, but he used things like pedagogos, which is uh, you know as you know speak of uh, the idea of a slave a slave in a uh, greco romans uh, household who looked after uh, a-, a child and helped them not just to grow their cognitive capabilities but to grow as people. So today I want to. Help you understand the methodology that is of our times of how uh, educators think of how people grow and develop. And there's so many different ideologies uh, that can communicate. Uh, different theories of learning and development. I just want to uh, take a uh, an overview of three uh, primary ones. The first one is the ideology uh, of behaviorism. They are uh, a type of theorist who believe uh, that learning is basically m- uh, modifying the behavior of the subject. Uh, we probably are familiar with Skinner and Pavlov, uh, people who have introduced the concept uh, from their uh, research with dogs and, and, and monkeys that uh, stimulate and response, uh, create um, a, a way, a conditioning for people to behave in a certain way. So if you give a reinforcement that is positive uh, or or negative, uh, that would implicate the way whether people uh, reproduce the behavior that is being modeled or uh, the stimulus uh, uh, prompt them to do a particular way uh, and their response is dependent on the consequences. And whilst that is true in some cases, and particularly in the training of, Of animals, uh, some theorists came after that and said, no, human beings are differentiated from animals by the way they think. So came the concept of cognitivism, where people are speaking about learning and development by changing the mindset. And that for some, as uh, in adult learning, we talk about liberal, uh, um, uh, you know, learning and and liberal ways of thinking about learning, which enhances the person's ways of thinking uh, through reading, through knowledge acquisition. And as people change the way of thinking, that is considered to be the way they change the way of interacting and behaving and conducting themselves. However, some people uh, came to uh, potentially uh, examine or doubt the idea that knowledge is simply something that happens in the learner's mind. And they began to explore the idea that maybe learning is a social thing. Maybe we'll learn uh, because of our interactions with others, because of the social systems and structures that have been put for us in place. In fact, the tool of language itself is a social endeavor. And uh, and those people may be considered social learning theorists or, or people, uh, you know, uh, sometimes phrase it as social constructivism where we construct meaning or negotiate meaning and get understanding, gain understanding uh, by our interactions in a social environment, uh, whether it's uh, interacting with physical or social uh, in, uh, environment. And probably um, every one of those learning theories has a advantages and disadvantages. I would, um, I would uh, probably say that uh, most of educators at the moment would say that learning is a social experience. And for me, I adopt the, uh, the view that learning is, uh, is, is, is basically a spirit-oriented and socially oriented. You see, we were created as uh, humans according to the image of a triune God who was and is in a constant perfect relationship with three in one and uh, uh, just as each one of the, uh, uh, the the persons in the trinity has a nature a divine nature that is equal they have a different mission they, they they have a different work to do and much the same thing with us if we are to explore our identity we have a a, a, a nature and a calling that gets understood in the context of our relationship with the triune God and our relationship with His family. We participate in the life of God, and that is actually the way we grow to exhibit the very image that we received, and that is truly learning development to be more like Jesus in the world. We live out the social... uh, existence uh, that we have by being united to Christ and as a result united to his body that is the church. So today I want to show you from the book of Acts that learning is about the transformation of who I am becoming uh, through participation within a community of practice. So it's about a change of the way I live. Based on who I am on the inside, and that really takes place in a social context. So, let's have a look at what happened when the church had the first experience of inviting new people, new converts into this whole thing, this movement called Christianity. So, in Acts chapter 2, after the day of Pentecost, uh, the apostles go out there. And preached the good news of Jesus. And as a result of their preaching, people were cut to heart. They were convicted. And they said, what can we do to become followers of this Messiah? And, uh, and they advised them to repent, to believe on Jesus, to be baptized. And to accept the Holy Spirit that was promised to them and to uh, others all around the world. And it says the result of that, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. That's the experience of salvation. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow! This is the experience of explosion. It's Imagine a startup business that begins thousands and thousands of people start when they were just probably 120 people. Uh, in uh, organizations so far and all of a sudden there is these many people to incorporate what do you do with them? how does that new Christian and by the way they weren't called Christians they were just disciples they were followers of the way and how does a Christian learn to live that Christianity to live as a disciple to, to live like the master to live as a Jesus like disciple what should the disciples do? If you were responsible uh, for that startup uh, Christian movement, what would you have done? You've got 3,000 people. You would say, wow, what can we do with them? Maybe we'll put them all in lecture theaters and, and talk to them for three days about all the different teachings that, that Jesus had. And, 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 you know, I don't know what you would have done. But look at what the church did. They basically incorporated them into a community. Look what it says, immediately the second verse, that those who received, those who came to Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship. You see, to make disciples, Jesus told the apostles to teach them to teach them to observe everything that Jesus had taught them, which involves to learn what Jesus taught the disciples, of which one of them is to learn how to be disciples themselves. So we understand that now they're being incorporated in an environment of discipleship because they're learning, they're being devoted to the apostles' teaching. But what we didn't know from Matthew 28, how to do that, so we understand that they're coming into an environment of teaching. But what does that look like? The apostles explained that it's the environment of fellowship. They get to devote themselves to teaching in an environment of fellowship. And the word fellowship occurs uh, several times in, uh, in the New Testament. And it simply means in all the times that it mentioned, but one, it says to share or participate. That means they would, in this environment, share life together. It's the life of Jesus that they've all embraced. Because if Jesus is in you, and Jesus is in him, and Jesus is in her, and Jesus is in me, we all have a common life, right? Just like children of a family. They have the same traits, the same blood. You know, we say blood is thicker than water, right? Because they have the same blood uniting them. And as followers of Jesus who accepted Jesus and the Holy Spirit came and indwelt us, we have a common life. And in that environment, we participate in the life of the triune God and His family in a proximal way. So it's not about learning facts. It's about living life. We are participants. So it has been well said that I am not because I think, therefore I am. It's I participate, therefore I am. It's a social understanding of our existence. It doesn't mean that we're all social, that we don't have personal differences, no. But I find who I am through the body of Christ and the life that I share with God and His people. So what did they do in that community? They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. So there was teaching. They devoted themselves to one another to share life together in a proximal way. Then they devoted themselves to breaking of bread and prayer. It says that they broke bread in their homes and ate together. That there was that type of proximity uh, Relationships of familiarity, of connecting together in homes, not just in a formal worship environment. And they were glad and sincere in heart, that speaks of their inner life. And they were praising God and enjoying. Uh, the favor of all people, that means they had influence in the world. People looked at their lives and said, wow, they're living a really different lifestyle. They are exhibiting an image that were they were created to live out. So they become attractive to the community outside. And what happens as a result of that? And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. People were attracted to that lifestyle that was lived in a community. You see, we said that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to that lifestyle of being connected, sharing life together. And then it says that they were devoted to breaking of bread. What does breaking of bread have to do with anything? Breaking of the bread was basically a way in which they practiced participated in the reality that Jesus died for them, just like Jesus did in the upper room where he broke bread and and gave it to his disciples, says, this is my body, this is the way you will participate in my life, the substitutionary death, my death uh, that I died for you. And and that breaking of bread is participation in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So every time they broke bread, they didn't just remember Jesus, they remembered who they are. They are people who have died with Christ, who have been crucified with Christ. Their old life is being removed from their, from dominion over them. That's been dethroned, so to speak. And now in Christ, they have the life of the Spirit. So they see themselves. I'm not the old person that used to live that way. I'm the new person that is now united. I see myself differently. And that's what happens in communities of like-minded practitioners. They see themselves, you see the breaking of the bread was collective, was social. They are the body of Christ. They see themselves differently from the view of everybody else who is a representation of the entire body of Christ. You see, our identities get um, uh, uh, clarified in communities. Our understanding and the meaning uh, gets clarified in communities based on the uh, um, apostles' teaching, based on a, a, you know observation of how other people are living their life. There is a sense of meaning and understanding and practice. They were practicing a way of being in the world. So what we are suggesting to you that a community of disciples and a community of disciples is what you and I need to embrace. And why I say that? Respectfully, I believe that eagerly we want to see many people come to know Jesus and develop and multiply. So what do we do? We say the best possible way is to put them all in a lecture theater once a week and we feed their themselves so, we feed them with ideas and strategies and what we do is we have educated spectators you will never become a football player a soccer player a swimmer as you sit in the stands right you can have as much understanding of the game plan of the strategies, and you know, whenever I go and watch a game, I hear people behind me, the spectators, advising the umpires, advising the players, advising the coaches who are on hundreds of thousands of dollars. By the way, they're advising them how to do it. Why? They are educated, they are educated as spectators, they are not really players, but the only way we are encultured, socialized in being a player is actually being with the team, learning to practice, learning through visions and, and learning through you know the training and the coaching and the strategizing of the coaches. We'll learn by doing, we'll learn by, by, by being in the heat, making practical decisions in the moment, gaining wisdom as we practice what it's like To be like Jesus. You see, when we are in communities, genuine communities, where there is a common enterprise, that is common purpose or passion or cause, that we all in the same way. You see, you tell me, yeah, Peter, we all go to church, but we have groups that we meet together and socialize. What's the goal of that? Is it so that we don't lose people from a Christian environment? Or is it so that we maintain relationships which are good? But is the goal clear that we all here because we want to encourage and challenge one another to be more like Jesus? I want to tell you, you can figure out those environments and the goal and the passion and the purpose and the cause of your environment by learning what people are willing to do and willing to learn and willing to To suffer. You see, environments that whenever there is a little feedback to help correct, and people say, I'm not coming here anymore. Who are you to do that? Who are you to tell me that? Well, that is an environment where the goal is comfort, not Christ likeness. Where the environment is socializing, not being socialized into a way of being. So there must be a clear, agreed upon purpose to live life the way God intended for us. That, hey, we are here together because we want to do to, be, to get better at being like Jesus. We want to get better at being like Jesus. We all agree on that. So whatever it takes to get there, we're going to do it humbly and respectfully and lovingly. But we will do it. So there is a common purpose, a common domain, a common enterprise. Then secondly, there is mutual engagement. It's not one person passive and the others are active or one active and the others are passive. There is mutual engagement with one another. We are committed to one another, not merely during the formalities of getting together and catch-ups, but beyond that. Loving on each other in good times and hard times. is communicating transparently and vulnerably. It's being aware of where people are at and praying and wrestling for them in prayer so that God could take them to the next level. It's being invested in one another. It's having respect and safety as well as having the courage to help and inspire one another towards love and good deeds. That is interaction. That's not just sitting in pews, but being together, committed, and transparent, and vulnerable with one another. And the third thing they tell us about communities of practice is that they have shared repertoire, shared practice. They have similar things that they do that matches their domain. Much like the disciples in Acts chapter two, they did things together. They broke bread together. They listened and interacted with one another about the teachings of the apostle. They worshiped God together in temple, in the temple and in homes. They ate bread. There were rituals that they uh, uh, embraced that defined who they are, because much of who we are doesn't come just logically, comes from the practice that we embrace. This is what um, social learning theorists have explored in their studies and research and found that learning is basically a development of our identity, who we are becoming. It is also a developing of our understanding and meaning of things. We gain meaning in a community of like-minded or sometimes not necessarily like-minded people. But we gain an understanding of things as we interact and dialogue with one another. As we observe one another, as we interact with data, with one another, as we listen uh, respectfully and anticipate and observe what we can learn from our interaction with the data, with the information, and with each other. And it's about community and it's also about what we do in practice. So we propose to you to engage in a community of disciples or a community of practice with like-minded people where there is a common goal that you agree on. So from the very start you agree on we're going to learn to get better as being uh, uh, being like Jesus. We're going to mutually engage with one another and we want to share some practices together. This is our hope that you are being constructed as a Jesus-like person. What we call formation is spiritual formation that ourselves are being constructed so we have a an invitation for anyone that want to learn more to engage with us uh, on uh, you know uh, through our ministry website GenJ and to learn how you can participate in a community of disciples if you don't have one yourself. And in these communities of disciples, we engage with a purpose, a common purpose to grow. And every individual plans in a self-directed way under the guidance of the Spirit, some goals that match the idea of being Jesus-like. So we create goals that unite all of us in our pursuit of Christ-likeness. You probably haven't necessarily uh, engaged in, in in groups where goals were something that unite one another. Maybe it's just a project that you've done that united you, but how about when the common goal is is complemented and aligned our individual goals, so that we all in it together. If you've experienced that environment, you realize there is momentum and there is connection and there is a sense of us together that we are doing this. Secondly. We, we create environments where we engage with one another in sharing stories and narratives that construct who we are in the light of the bigger narrative that Jesus' story, that we are part of his story and we reflect on that and we call that reflective practice. So we learn how to create some practices like devotional times where we apply God's word over our lives and together we're learning who we are uh, through our interaction with one another Jesus discipled others in community so should we there is no way we can mass produce disciples so we pray that you would embrace the way to disciple others and be discipled yourself uh, through a community of disciples God bless you. Thank you for watching. Looking forward to seeing you next time.